Coming to you entirely pre-recorded from the Garage of Solitude in Queens, New York, I'm Mario Francisco Robles. And coming from you entirely pre-recorded from Long Island in a room I call my office, I'm Brett Miro, and this is episode 163 of the Fanboy Podcast. Is that that is the episode, isn't it? You're you're much better at keeping up with those numbers than I am. But let's keep up with you, Bretterson. What have you been uh, watching and playing uh, this year week? Yeah, so um, uh, I recently, uh, as of yesterday, actually finished uh, a show on FX slash Hulu uh, called The Bear. Um, I started it like a few days ago, and my fiance and I just kind of marathon through it because their episodes are fairly short, like half hour ish. I think the last one's a little bit longer. But uh, if you don't know, this show came out like maybe like a month or so ago. And I remember like it was pretty rave on on the social medias. So uh, we were looking for a new show. I said, let's try it out. And uh, I think it is maybe one of the best seasons of television like I've ever seen. Like Hmm. every episode is awesome. Uh, The premise basically is like this, uh, you know, young guy uh, comes back to his home in Chicago from New York where he was like basically – miserable but working as one of like the best chefs in new york city like i came an amazing cook and he comes back to take over his family's like like just like kind of hole in the wall like chicago beef sausage and pepper like kind of like you know shack kind of thing where they make just all yeah. those like kind of sandwiches the spaghetti like just kind of like basic like you know uh soul food from like chicago whatever like you know and um he uh tries to like kind of transform uh, the the restaurant and like change it and uh, you know it's also you find out like coming off of it that uh, his brother used to run it but his brother was like a, an addict uh, and he was like addicted to pills and he ended up like committing suicide like not long before he came to take over the family thing so it's him like coping with that but it's also like very very funny it's got a great cast of characters that like just work in the kitchen um, the all the acting is like across the board like phenomenal honestly and like the all the actors are good at like hitting their comedic moments hitting the dramatic moments um every character is believable the writing is is like phenomenal and it's like a really great like dramedy um and uh i love also like the way it's a very claustrophobic um cinematography like you're always up in like the lead actor's face you're very close to people yeah the camera's always just like leaning around like a corner and it makes you feel like you're in a tight kitchen and like you're Mm -hmm. feeling there's definitely like anxiety is like a huge part of it. He's having like panic. It's just naturally stuff. more tense when you're right up. Yeah, in it, it makes you feel claustrophobic. Yeah. yeah, and like yeah. everyone's always yelling. Everyone's always <laughs> like, like tough talking Chicago people, and it's like a very like eclectic like bunch of people too. It's really, it's just really. Well, it sounds like me about. hanging out with my Cuban family. But I yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm sure. I'm sure we all have it. Yeah, it's like my big lot Italian family more. Everybody's like, yelling. Cool. All right. There's like yeah. a couple. There's like a black guy, a Spanish woman, like you know, like uh, like bunch of a couple of white guys, like old school, like white guys, like tough talking Chicago guys. Like it's just like this great, just like eclectic mix of people. It's awesome. Yeah. And but like they're like nice. a family. It's great. Um. So yeah, I I love that show. It's called The Bear. It's uh, it, it got renewed for a season two, so you can like watch it and know that there's more coming. Nice. And it was uh, it was just yeah, like really really good television. So and that was you, awesome. Where, where can we find that? Yeah, so it's on FX, I guess. So I okay. guess you could. It's like it's done now. Uh, it was like mm-hmm. it's like eight episodes, but FX, yeah. and then you could get to get it on Hulu too because they have like all the FX cool. stuff on there. Um. Uh, I've also been continuing. I haven't brought it up this like I don't think at all on the show yet, but I'm continuing to watch what we do in the shadows. The new season is out, season four. Ah, um, yeah. So far, I'm liking it. I think better than season three because season three for me was like a little uneven. Uh, but yeah. this one seems to be better. But it's still a very it's a very fun show. It's a takeaway TT joint. Um, oh, I now that I just said that, I watched. A, I saw Thor: Love and Thunder. 
since it's oh, on you're the one. I haven't had a chance to yet. What? How was it? So yeah, so I remember there was a lot of hubbub when it came out. So I just like waited. I didn't go to the theaters, and it just launched on Disney Plus now. So I said, you know what? Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it. I checked it out this past weekend. So I didn't um I didn't think it was nearly as bad as everyone was like kind of like bitching and moaning about on the internet. But like it yeah. wasn't like it wasn't like great. Um, hmm. I'll tell you like, and that's a shame because you know in Taika I trust typically. You know he hasn't yeah. steered well, me wrong. I so like far, his comedy. But... You know, like I like it. So for me, I think I probably enjoyed it. Like I'm not sick of his yeah. comedy. I know some people are sick of it or whatever, or they just pretend to be because it's cool to say it on the internet. But like I'm not really sick of it. I like his style. I loved his HBO show that I watched recently. Like I love all of his work. Like pretty much. Mm -hmm. So um, what we do in the shadows is also him too. So it's like it's I, I love his stuff. It definitely yeah. was like a hundred percent though like i think he said this in interviews it's way more of a comedy and like almost even like a romantic comedy than anything oh, else yeah. so i think i could see why that was like off-putting for people but like mm -hmm. since i didn't watch it in the height of all the hubbub and people like shitting on it and just being very divisive like i just came into it i watched it relaxed at home and i had a good time i laughed um you know it was it was fun christian bale has a pretty like wild performance like i'm really surprised he did like a marvel movie um it's uh he's not he's interesting he's interesting but he's actually kind of kind of a cool character but they definitely it's the same problem with a lot of the marvel movies they don't really develop the villain enough um russell crowe has like a pretty awesome like cameo he's like zeus in it or whatever and uh yeah. that was like very interesting he was pretty fun um did you see yeah. uh, our, our old pal luke tweeted out a picture of uh Russell yeah and he was like Crow. it's me <laughs> and he was like oh you know i hope everyone enjoyed me as zeus <laughs> whatever and when he did that i was dying oh, i was yeah. laughing really hard because yeah. i was like yeah a little bit i get that yeah um, but yeah that like reminds was... me we miss you luke come visit come yeah, back to come New visit. York. um yes. so uh yeah you know natalie portman seems i don't know to me she seems a little awkward sometimes in the movie like i don't know but it could just be me uh yeah. You know, they do the storyline, the typical woman Thor storyline. Paycheck was the, was the paycheck sticking out of her costume at any point? Yeah, or, you know, is it just? I don't, don't want to say she phoned it in, but like, yeah. she didn't get the best material also to work with, you know. Yeah. And there was definitely some more like corny, slapsticky stuff to it. But I wonder if like mm. he said he wanted to make a romantic comedy, and it, it kind of hits those notes. So like, it yeah. has a little layer of cheese. So that's kind of like my quick little like Thor review. Um, like I said, I, I, I laughed. I had a good time. I, the thing is, you know what it is? Like if you're like a big Thor fan and you're like really into the comics and I guess how he's depicted there, I imagine this is like a far cry from like the mm -hmm. more serious, like real, like godlike Thor. Like he's like a joke now in a way. Like he does. He's like goofy. Mm -hmm. And while I find it fun, I can understand if you're like looking, if you wish you had like that that dark night moment for Thor or something yeah. like that. Like it's not it. It's like a very, they, they this one. he went further than even Ragnarok with it, with like the yeah. comedy and like the goofs and stuff. So, you know, I get it, but I enjoyed it. It was still fun. Great. I guess I didn't, yeah. I didn't pay for it. I mean, I paid for my subscription, but I didn't go to the movies to see it. Uh, but yeah. also I haven't gone to the movie. I think to see like any Thor movie, maybe Ragnarok. I might've went, but that was like the other ones I also saw when they came to DVD and you know, they, I think they're like probably the least liked by most Marvel mcu fans and yeah. i feel like they also probably made like they're probably on the lower end of money making so clearly general audiences not either so i think this might have worked and also i still think this film made a bunch of money so it shows yeah. that while you may not like it it's obviously working because money you know what i mean that at because the end of the day be, at the end of the day because money so yeah. that's that 
Um, and then really quick, I know I've been talking forever. I also finally got to this game uh, that I've been wanting to play for a very long time. It's on Game Pass. It's from 2016. So it's old. Uh, old, older. <laughs> so it's uh, old. It's really old. Um, it's called Firewatch. And it's, uh, you know, what people kind of call like a walking simulator. So there's no combat. You're not fighting anything. It's not an action game. You're basically this guy who takes on a summer job at like um, like a, like a Yosemite like national park. And um, it's about like you're kind of just doing walk around doing mundane stuff. But like the voice acting is really good for the main character, the guy you are. And you speak to this woman, Delilah, who's at another like lookout tower. So basically you took this job to just like stay in a lookout tower all summer and like look for forest fires. Like and <laughs> – there's like okay. all the little notes about like people that they like their stories, like people have gone crazy doing it and it's like very isolating and stuff. But you end up building this like incredible relationship just over walkie talkie, never meeting this other person. And like I can't explain it. I know it probably doesn't sound interesting, but like it's really well written and voice acting. Okay. So you're like yeah. totally engaged. And it's very, it's very short. Like I three to five hours, maybe. I don't even think I got anywhere near five hours. It was like I played like an hour like each night for a couple of nights and I was done. Yeah. But um <laughs> the funny i'll go the quick funny story so when i started playing it was last saturday and that was my fiance's bachelorette party so she was out she was coming home it wasn't like an overnight thing but i was like oh i had the night to myself so i said you know what i'm gonna play firewatch like i've heard this game was good it won a shit ton of awards when it came out and um so i was like well i'm gonna play this so i start the game up thinking and i'm not thinking it's gonna be i'm figuring there's gonna be probably something like a little emotional in it or whatever like there might be like a cool revelation or a mystery at hand. Yeah. But the game starts out with just text on the screen and it starts telling you like a story. It's basically giving you like backstory for the character you're playing. So it's like, you know, this talking about this meet cute you have, you meet this woman who ends up becoming your wife and there's little dialogue options you could choose in it, but it doesn't really like change anything that much, but it just kind of gives you a little personalization, personalization for your version of the character that you're role playing as. So mm -hmm. you're picking things on and I'm thinking like, oh, this is going to be fun. And it's like, oh, yeah. So you, what do you say to her? You meet her at a bar. What do you say to her? And I was like, oh, you're pretty or something like that. A couple of options. It keeps going, keeps it's going. Smooth, right? You get together. And then all of a sudden it just gets so freaking heavy. Like I was like ready to cry. And I was like going to kill myself. <laughs> like, wow. It was like. It was like, oh, now you're like, you know, you talk to your wife about having kids and then you're like, okay, yeah, we're going to have kids. And then it's like, um, that was like 1979. Then it's like, it's 1984. Work got in the way. You never got around having kids. And then like, basically long story short, <laughs> spoilers for the beginning of Firewatch from 2016. Like it mentions that like your wife gets like early onset dementia, like in her mid thirties and like Yikes. ends up like forgetting and doesn't recognize you anymore. And like, it's like you, you visit oh, her every day. Like real uplifting, uh, fun like you visit time. her every day. And then like the next screen, it's like, and now less and less. And then, like, she moves back home to Australia to be with her parents or whatever. So, like, and then the game starts out and you're starting the job at the at the thing. But, like, you, they give you, like, this whole setup for, like, why this guy's there. So, really funny. But I was, like, oh, my God. Like, heart-wrenching. And, like, yeah. you know, the guy's, like, around our age. And, like, it was just hitting. It was – everything was hitting. It was hitting. Feels. I'm yeah. thinking, like, oh, my God. Like, imagine that happened to me now. Like, yeah. it was, like, it was oh, really wow. rough. So, but, but anyway, the game was uh, uh, awesome. Like it was, it was beautiful and really cool and subverting in a really interesting way, uh, and it was cool. So, so I just, I know I just watch gave you a lot. Not Fire to watch. be confused with Fire Crotch, the unsolicited, unauthorized two D platformer about the life of Carrot Top. No, no, not, it's Fire Watch. Yeah, and you can get that. That is on Xbox Game Pass, um, and I'm sure you can still get it on like uh, the last gen consoles, PS4, Xbox One. It's probably fairly cheap i can't imagine hey, those are current gen to me damn it yeah i know yeah. for most people they are because you can't get a freaking new xbox or ps5 
Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, Game Pass, and, and it is for those previous consoles. So, uh, but you can get it on Game Pass on the newer systems and whatever. And I'm like, you could definitely play it on PlayStation. I'm sure it's like under twenty mm-hmm. bucks. Uh, and uh, if you're into that stuff, really cool game. But uh, yeah. I've talked enough, Mario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so for me i uh binged all of season three of the boys and nice. uh, i'm happy to report that that show has not lost any kind of uh anything through really good seasons. season <laughs> if anything yes yeah, season three was like as sharp and as shocking as any of the three so far and the the social kind of geopolitical commentary is starting to get real biting and uh, the superhero stuff is extra kind of fun and crazy and absurd and outlandish. Yeah. And uh, no, I can't say enough things about the writing, the acting, the execution. I mean, a- Anthony Starr is amazing as Homelander. He's so good. I've He's never so seen someone good. play unhinged like that good in my life, like believably. Yeah, and genuinely unhinged. terrifying, though, too. Yeah. You know, to know that godlike, you know, this. Yeah. You know, it, it as a Superman fan too, it really does like put it in perspective too how fortunate we are that Superman is kind natured and that he was yeah. found by Jonathan and Martha, because uh, Homelander shows what happens if you got no parents at all and you end up just growing into a sociopath. You remember but, that uh, quote that one of our listeners showed us actually from the comics where like uh, Batman's commenting on Superman. And he's like, you know, he's a god that flies up like by the sun and like how lucky we are that it never occurs to him that he's a god. And it's like Homelander, yeah. it did occur to him. And that's what yep. happens. <laughs> and it's very, yep. bad. <laughs> very bad. And seeing how he's harnessing that energy and all that, you know, there's very clear... Yeah. You know, comparisons to things happening in the current landscape here in this yeah. country. So, uh, yeah, no, it's I, I loved season three of The Boys, and I was super really bummed good. when I realized I did it already. Like, I, I, I got to the last episode. I'm like, what? Already? Yeah. But, yeah, so I blew through that in, like, three days. And then I was surprised that Cobra Kai season five arrived on my doorstep without any kind of fanfare. I didn't realize we were that close to receiving it. Uh, yeah. You don't do Cobra Kai, right? That's not. Your I story. have absolutely no interest. Well, you can go straight to hell with your lack of interest. I'm but sorry. for me, Cobra Kai. I know people. Listen, people love it. I'm in the minority, probably, but whatever. Well, on top of that, you're just a little too young. You didn't grow up with that. I love the Karate Kid. Daniel yeah, I didn't Sarge have that. Like, wasn't uh, yeah, the hero of yours? No nostalgia yeah. for it at all. Yeah. See, for oh, those shit. of us who grew up in the earlier <laughs> eighty, I, I was born in '83. Karate Kid was like, you know. That was yeah. everything. So getting to re-explore that world, but with a modern twist and in the tone and approach that they've used for this show is like amazing. Um, and so far, I'm like halfway through. I've got five episodes into season five of Cobra Kai. And uh, that's another one where as a fan, I am just eating really, really well. Uh, and I kind of, I've just... Those are the two shows I've watched, The Boys and Cobra Kai. In terms of playing, I've continued to delve further and further into Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which I know is going to give us some interesting stuff to discuss later on. So I'm actually going to save whatever thoughts I have for that for the news that came out this week related to Assassin's Creed and what's coming next there. So with that in mind, let's get on into some of the more juicy stuff. Let's get into the Superman on film update for this week. Now, it's not juicy because there's some new news, because unfortunately there is not like a new new rumor or new update that I could offer you. But as we as I've now had time, I've had a week to sort of unpack these rumors and unpack this 
this feeling that this really is going to happen, that we're going to have Henry back in some capacity as Superman, and that we're going to have Affleck back in some capacity as Batman, and that they're no longer going in the direction of writing those characters out and introducing new versions and, and new stand-ins for which Batman is the main Batman and all that kind of stuff. So I've had a lot of time to think about that see some of the responses online and kind of just, uh, I have some stuff I want to share on that. All right. So while we're in this zone here for the Superman on film update, I want to tell you about why I think that Henry Cavill returning and Ben Affleck returning, why that is actually the right move for DC on film. Cause I know there are fans who are actually quite disappointed there. You know, I know our, our, our friends over at Batman on film. I saw Jonathan Brady, uh, you know, my, writer for revenge of the fans back in the day there are people who were very much enjoying that we were heading towards the multiverse the the, the fact that we were heading more into little pocket universes where each character can really just kind of stand on its own and not be tethered to some grander continuity and people were just really you know people were digging that that we weren't going to try to copy marvel so to speak but honestly with the current juncture since we cannot hard reboot, since at this point we are married to previously existing versions of these characters and previously existing castings for these characters, if you're Warner Brothers Discovery coming into this situation right now, you're thinking about how do we have cohesion? How do we have consistency? How do we keep this thing going? Because we can't go from scratch. We can't hit the hard reset and just go, okay, we're going to reintroduce all of these characters with new actors, with no baggage anymore. They don't have that option. So if you're going to have this scenario where you have a universe that is comprised with reconstituted parts of what's been airing for the last nine years, you know, what, what, what DC has been since 2013, plus a bunch of new characters that are seemingly going to interact with those older characters like Black Adam bringing in Amanda Waller from Suicide Squad. You know, our, th- this universe is, is, for better or worse, it's, 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 it's a little bit of a Frankenstein monster. It's a bit of a patchwork yeah. of new stuff and old stuff. And with that being the case, it makes sense then for the sake of having consistency that if Warner Brothers Discovery was able to get these guys on the line and to sign new deals, because to be like, well, listen, rather than continuing to splinter off our universe, we want we, we want to make it more focused. We want to have a more, you know, a, a shared, coherent, unified vision here for this universe if we're going to do that then we can't suddenly bring in michael keaton and have him be the stand-in batman no we need the batman who's been established in the public eye on film for six years now we need that guy and if we're going to have a superman show up in any of these movies rather than have it be a generic faceless superman and then introduce an all new one in the Ta-Nehisi Coates thing that would have nothing to do with the rest of this. It's just further splintering the universe. We just need to bring back the Superman that currently works. You know, the current, the, the Superman that currently exists. You want to have consistency. If we're going to have Momoa and Gadot and Miller for now, uh, you know, if we're going to have these other holdover justice leaguers, it doesn't make sense to not have just all of them back. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and especially because like with what's gone on in recent years, they've already shown that like they can make a movie that sort of reboots the property without hitting reset. Like what happened with suicide squad, 
Because what did James Gunn do there? He didn't go back from scratch. He, you know, he took what he liked from the David Ayer thing and put his own spin on it. And with these other heroes, especially with Superman, you could do that. In theory, yeah. if they decide, you know what, Henry, that there's still some mileage there, there's still some meat on the bone for this version of Superman, they know that they can just make a movie that has a different creative sort of energy behind it, but that he can shine. I mean, that's what happened with Aquaman when Jason Momoa's Aquaman, which had just been in a Justice League that had flopped hard in 2017, which had just, who had made his debut in a BVS that was a total polarizing sort of situation for the dceu that aquaman had a billion dollar movie because he was directed by james wan and it looked and it felt very different than what had come before yeah. so if you're warner brothers discovery you're looking at henry cavill superman and you're going why are we going to start from scratch when we could just get this guy a better creative team and tell some fresh stories because this audience out there has already shown that they're willing to overlook past movies as long as what's coming looks exciting you know, so yeah. I feel like if you're the people coming in, you don't want any more further splintering off or, or, or muddying of the waters where now here's going to be Michael Keaton and we're going to write out Batfleck and we're going to have this Batgirl movie, but that it isn't really related to any kind of real other Batman plan because the other Batman series has nothing to do with that. Like they, you know, they got to simplify the narrative. They got to streamline this thing and make it as simple as possible. You know, and rather than releasing things like Batgirl, which just looking at the stills looked like a crappy Arrowverse movie. And, you know, the, the, just looking at that, it, it really was kind of overblown that they canceled that, by the way. I, it sounds like I think. We yeah, I saw it. there was a, a someone, yeah. an exec said that. Um, yeah, I did. I did see Brendan Fraser apparently threw some shade yeah. at that exec. <laughs> and but he what he said was that. You know, it was shot for the small screen, so it was probably going to look yeah. a little, probably better than a CW show, but it definitely was going to not the be. The suit didn't inspire a lot of confidence. Yeah, I mean, that, that is the suit from the comics, but yeah, I know it didn't look maybe wild on the stills and stuff, but we never got to see it with like the right coloring and the right lighting. You know, like the thing is like, you, I, we always talk about that, like it, they do a lot of stuff. Like in post. No, there was a promo still, and even the promo still, I'm I was still like, little, oh, yeah. no, no. I mean, it was definitely no. going to be a lighter fare. I mean, like, but I, I, I understand well, look, why they did it. But people, yeah, made a really big though, deal. Is I think they pulled the rug out from under this idea of Keaton being the new mainstay Batman. I really yeah. think now he's officially just going to be. He, he his relationship to that Flash movie will be the same egg. as Tobey Maguire's relationship to Spider-Man yeah. No Way Home. A really, really special once-in-a-lifetime extended cameo. Pinch yourself. Can't believe I'm seeing this type of thing. But he's not. I don't. You know. I, I think the, that original plan has gone out the window. Yeah, with the new regime, like with the new ownership, they're like, screw this multiverse thing, screw green lighting, all these random movies about B and C level DC characters. We need to make a, you know, let's get our triple A characters up and running in sustainable franchises and get people excited for crossover events and all that sort of stuff. That's what they want to do. And if that's what you're going to do, you bring back Henry and you bring back Ben. And that's why I feel like it is the right move. Because the, the only way, the only opposite thing to do would do the hard reset. But we're not doing that. 
So if we're not doing a hard reset, bringing back Henry and Ben is absolutely the right call. Um, did you if have anything make, you want to say? Yeah, about that? if they want to make money, they have to keep the whatever little momentum they have right now. Like if you do a hard reset, everything comes to a screeching halt. You have to redevelop everything. Start like then you're not looking and at they've getting got any of these coming out for a year and a half still. Yeah. yeah, and they already have stuff coming out that's already in this plan. And then you're talking if you want to start from the scratch, you're talking like you're not seeing any of those movies. A, a new Superman or Batman movie. That's going to be part of a connecting universe. You're not going to see that for at least three, four years. Yeah. So like they can't, they can't afford to do that. They have some stuff out there. Get everyone if they can get the people back, which is like that's like basically the biggest part of it. Can you get Affleck back? Can you get Cavill back? If they got yeah. them back, if that's indeed the truth and that's what they're moving forward with, at least you can carry some momentum forward. Like you said, put the right team in place and you know soft reboot them or just steer them in a different direction it's totally possible james gunn did, like you said james gunn is a perfect example he did it with the suicide squad it did not erase or say that the other stuff didn't happen it yeah. just continued off off yeah. of it and it just was a totally different adventure and yeah so it, it's very possible and listen you can't make everybody happy but it, it, just, it is no. what it is but also too something i was thinking about also like if you're warner brothers discovery remember you're coming into this and you didn't spend any of the money on these previous things. You weren't there when BVS didn't meet internal projections. You weren't there when Justice League opened to only 92 million and no one gave a damn about it. You weren't there for even when when uh, Zack Snyder got an extra 70 million to do his cut because that was under Warner Media's jurisdiction. Yeah, yeah. Warner Brothers Discovery is coming in with a fresh bankroll, having not spent a dime on the things that came before. And if you're tasked with looking at our DC on film situation, if you just watch all the movies without, you know, without being worried about what they did and what was spent on them, all the projections, if you just watch the storyline, you go Man of Steel, BVS, Suicide Squad, Justice League, even into the stuff that's come since then, like Aquaman and, and um, all the other stuff, you realize like, the story is open still. All those characters were never definitively like ended. Like Justice League right. does end with this table of, you know, uh, seven chairs and room for more. Like the actual storyline that has been put out in front of mass audiences is still kind of open. And, and that, that's what makes it interesting, too, because there was like a rumor that hit that I don't believe, by the way. But there was a rumor that hit this week about a potential Justice League 2 movie being kind of, you know, put slowly into the works. And while I don't think that's happening right now, I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility. Because right. with new ownership and a fresh new outlook on this, what's to say that this team of people who's coming up with a 10-year plan doesn't realize, like, notices that, you know what, where we've left every character, where Superman left off at the end of Justice League, where Ben Affleck, where Batfleck ended up at the end of Justice League, where Aquaman ended up at the end of his movie, where things end up at the end of this Flash, there is actually a way to make a Justice League event film in the next few years. We just got to be strategic in how we do it because these characters, you know, like I just feel like if you're coming in and you're looking at these movies and you're not worried so much about the money and the critical response and you're just looking at, well, what do the fans out there know? What is the storyline? What are the open threads? Which characters have been left with room to go someplace next? You know, I feel like, it's it's almost like having a blank slate with where to take them next from here. 
Yeah. So I just wanted to point that out too. Having the new ownership and new creative eyes looking at things. If they just went home and binged the DCEU from 2013 through 2022, you know, there's there could be a path that comes built directly out of what's already been established. Yeah. And therefore hitting that hard reset might be completely ridiculous of them to do you know so i feel like if you're going to do this thing where you're going to keep stuff that worked and you're going to still introduce new stuff then bringing in henry bringing in ben is the right call and in general i think warner brothers discovery has the right idea on how to do all this i am so on board with the rumors and the direction things are heading in so far yeah um and also because like with this black adam thing it got me thinking because if it's true that Henry is going to be making his grand re-debut with the red cape uh, next month in that Black Adam movie in some post-credit sequence, um, you know, I think it's a, I think it's such a neat way to bring him back into the public conversation, especially if Black Adam does what Dwayne Johnson wants it to do. If this becomes some runaway hit that every, you know, it's and it's the fans are behind it. The box office numbers are high. The critics at least don't hate it. It's at least somewhat positive. If this is one of these runaway things that makes 900 million bucks and is a big like franchise launcher, the optics for Henry Cavill's Superman are very, very bright. It put it brings him back attached to something that's buzzworthy and exciting. You know what I mean? As opposed yeah. to linking him to perhaps like just Ben Affleck or just something that came before that kind of reminds people of a more divisive time in DC on film, having yeah. him show up against black Adam, who in theory will be very, very popular once he makes his debut. Now, I think it brings Henry back in a, in an interesting light and it's a cool way to yeah. reintroduce him. And while thinking about that though, you know, I know that, you know, Dwayne has brought up in the past, this idea about the fight between black Adam and Superman. And it seems like whatever this tease is, it would be related to this fight between Black Adam versus Superman. And I realized, like, I think he's approaching this like a wrestling angle. He's treating this like the way Vince McMahon treats WrestleMania, because it's notorious. WWE is notorious for deciding what it wants its main event to be way in advance and kind of working backwards from there. Them knowing, okay, who are going to be our two marquee characters? Who are going to be the two titans that the fans are going to be on their feet paying money to watch this fight because they're, they're, they're bought in. They believe in the hero. They believe in the villain. And they decide what that matchup's going to be. And then they start to put all the pieces in place and get that and start building that feud so that now suddenly you have 87,000 people in a football arena screaming at the top of their lungs over a fight they know is fake but they're just so caught into the they're right. so bought into these characters you know the rock understands the power of that of like oh, when yeah. you can harness that fan energy and get them to be like i got to see this fight i feel like he's a, he he's approaching black adam versus superman as like his wrestlemania main event and he's bill he's he's going to start putting the building blocks in place you know and it's not it, I'm sure he's not the only one who would approach it this way at seven bucks because they're in his production company. One of his right hand men is a guy named Brian Gewertz and Brian Gewertz was a writer for WWF through the whole attitude era. Like he was a, he was like, well, not through the whole time, but he was there during the rise of the rock, especially. And 
He is someone who came from the wrestling world, but when The Rock went to Hollywood, he brought Brian with him. And you could totally kind of see the two of them spitballing about how to, you know, build up this fight to black, you know, with Black Adam right. and Superman. And I just, I see parallels where like, if you're in a meeting coming up with how do we make our big payday? If you've decided that your main event, your big payday is that showdown between Black Adam and Superman, you know, you start building appropriately and building to right. that. So I feel like Black Adam is going to be step one. Who knows what's going to be step two, but I, I for one, am excited for it because I know Black Adam is traditionally a villain for Shazam, but I think there's something there, especially in that trailer, circling back to what we discussed last week. It looks so Man of Steely, and he yeah. looks like an anti-Superman. And, to you know, that's a fight I want to see happen. That's a fight I want to see happen. The only thing that I feel is going to hurt it is that I don't think they're going to go full villain with Adam. I feel like he's going you know, the anti-hero. So yeah. I feel like at some point they're going to have to do the same exact pivot as Batman versus Superman, where we're fighting each other at first, but now we're uniting against the common enemy. I think the new trailer basically shows that like it's going to be like a battle with the JSA. And yeah. then eventually, uh, what's this guy, Succubus or something like that? What's his name? Yeah, I don't know. He's like a big red, like Satan demon guy. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, like then he's going to have to, oh, we have to team up and take down this guy because he's going to really mess up yeah. the whole world. And then you deal yeah. with me later. But yeah. I mean, I mean, I, and that's what's going to happen in Black Adam. But even in whatever the Superman conflict, I think it's going to have to happen again. Because why would Superman even want to confront Black Adam unless he's being heelish again? He's being a villain again. So I feel like at the end of this movie, it still has to end in some way where Adam you know, needs to be brought to justice by the champion of justice, you know? So even though there's going to be somewhat of a, we're working together, something else is going to go on there where he's still going to end up somewhat in villainous territory. So that, you know, for the confrontation with Cal, you know, so very intrigued by all that. And, uh, now, I'm also intrigued about something else, Brett. And we're going to move out of the. We're going to come back to Superman a little later because there's some Superman and Lois stuff I want to touch on. Sure. But our conversation last week about never-ending story got me thinking, Bretterson. Yeah. That it's interesting that, like, if you bring up a remake to someone, like, oh, like, if I would have told you, oh, they're going to make a remake of never-ending story, what would your reaction have been? Yeah. Oh, wow. This is already interesting. I know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think I would just be like, okay, cool. I'll probably right? like you'd roll, just for the nostalgia. Yeah. But I feel like you'd roll your eyes almost. It was like, oh, they're remaking yeah. never ending story. But how Great. jazzed was I last week when we yeah. talked about it being an, an adaption? A TV series. Yeah. An, Not an adaptation, an adi- but an adaption. An adi- yeah. An adaptation. But, yeah. um, yeah, and, and just in general, that got me thinking about how, like, in the last few years, the way that's, you know, like, the way that whole thing has evolved and how it's no longer, I mean, I guess, I guess the big thing is remake movies are inspire eye rolls and it's just like, it seems like, oh, God, it's just creatively bankrupt. You're going to the well again. You're, you know, oh, what a disaster. You know, it's instantly thought yeah. of as yikes. But then you announce the same thing as, oh, but it's going to be a, a streaming 10 episode series. And all of a sudden it's the most exciting thing. And I'm looking around at like the rash of film uh, series that are having all this success, right? You got House of the Dragon, which that's not based on anything like that. But Lord of the Rings, for example, 
Lord of the Rings isn't even an expansion of the movies. It's another adaptation of the books. Yeah. And yet it crashed Amazon. Like, you know, 25 million yeah. viewers. Like, I'm sure if they would have announced that they're doing a remake of Lord of the Rings, people would have, like, been miserable about it. But a TV yeah. series, we're all for it. Um, same thing with like, you know, Disney plus is, you know, launching stuff like Willow and, and, and Cobra Kai itself is a sequel series. Like, right. it seems like Hollywood has figured out that rather than doing the remakes, it's much better to just take the IP and now adapt it for television that somehow that avoids the eye rolls. It's suddenly no one is complaining about a lack of creativity, even though technically it's the same thing. You're taking an existing right. IP that's already been adapted. That's already been done it big. Uh, you're just going to do it again. But since it's on TV, it's good. You know, it's just, yeah. it, it, it's like a change in philosophy. And um I just wanted to point that out. And it got yeah. me thinking about an old conversation we had inspired by Isaac Wolf, our old pal Isaac, talking about like with video games, about how like maybe movies aren't the right medium for video game adaptations that maybe series right. are, you know, and I feel like there's just some sort of connection there because it does seem like long form episodic storytelling is something that pop culture is much more excited about lately than just a two or three hour movie you know yeah and i just you know a, a, as we kind of track these trends over the years i remember we used to talk about like the streaming wars and you know we were there with like when cable was dying and streaming was becoming super important and all the streamers were spending millions and millions of dollars on original ip I remember when that was news and now yeah. it's just the norm and now we just live in a world where like people just they want to be fed all these TV shows, even if it's based on stuff that they would have originally thought of as derivative copycat right. nonsense if it was a movie. You know? I think it's the fact that you're like you're it, you're serving it in a different format because like if I'm just yeah. going to do a remake of a movie, you're either getting something shot for shot so it brings nothing new to the table like we've seen with a lot of – and that seems to be the case with the reception of a lot of these Disney remakes which are yeah. owned very close to those material. You're just giving it to me again. You put a different coat of paint on it. But when you do a TV uh, you know, adaption, um, I think it's just much – it's much more interesting because you can tell a larger story. You don't have to rush story beats. Like when yeah. you really think about it, two hours is not enough time to do shit. Like it's really <laughs> not enough time to like build up like multiple characters yeah. in a meaningful way where you care about them. I mean, like what's like the biggest criticism that most Marvel movies get? Like I mentioned it before, like the villain wasn't developed enough. Yeah. But when you, when you have a TV series, you can develop a villain. Think about some of the great TV villains and like how like, you know, uh, Dexter, the um, Trinity killer, like how he got built up over so many episodes and how more intriguing and creepy he was because of that. Like, you know, yeah. um, most of the best villains of all time are part of long running trilogies or longer series of movies. Vader had three movies to build his hype up, even though when you really look back, he's not developed well. He was developed later more when you got yeah. the backstory. But, you know just when you have three movies or in this case, like eight, nine, 10 episodes, um, Kingpin, right. Probably what, probably still the best Marvel villain. Right. I think. Yeah. Like just, and you, was, you can tell yeah. better stories. Like we actually talked about a few weeks ago. Um, they announced the bio, they're doing a Bioshock movie, which yeah. like, I'm actually excited for that just because I love that world. Like that's an exception where like that world's incredible and whatever, but, but I'm sure you're more excited would be way cooler rather than a movie. No, it's it's it is a movie, and I wish oh, it, it were a show. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I like, I think about like, wow, you could build a really cool long form series in that world yeah. and it'd be more engaging than just rehashing the story of the game. Cause that was already incredible. And that cemented in my mind. And there's something also that you're going to lose in translation. And actually speaking of this, the last of us series that's coming out on HBO next, next year, um, I think is going to be phenomenal, but like, oh, yeah. I think there might, there might be something in it with the way that the game ends, no spoilers, even though the game's old, because uh, the remake just came out, so some people are like experiencing it for the first time. But yeah. the way that game ends, it hits very different because you're interacting with it in a very specific way, and you lose that when it's yeah. a TV show or a movie. You're just yeah, watching, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're passive, you're active, and that's why that ending also hits even harder. Uh, in that mm -hmm. game and that's something uh with um the bioshock too there's a moment in that game where it totally fucks with your agency or your you being a player uh, playing a game like it does something on that meta level that you're yeah. gonna lose so that's also like trouble i think why games don't always adapt well to film or television but certainly the television route is just like i can't imagine like the last of us like you tried to take that game and just cram it into two hours nothing would work you'd have to just change yeah. everything and then it would just be a different property but as a long form series um and if you play that game and the way it's broken down into kind of seasons oh my god it's it's going to be that i really can't wait that's going to be and it's hbo so it's going to be a phenomenal show and the original yeah. writer and like like creative director is involved with it so you know it's going to be crazy good but yeah it's just it's just interesting but i i get excited over more long form stories where we could really sink our teeth in like I, i'm enjoying this lord of the Rings series like so far you know what i mean and i'm not i don't yeah. know the simmerillion and all these side pieces and these notes that apparently were never even published like that's what this is like based off of like scrap notes that Tolkien yeah. had and they're like fleshing it out guess what man it's it's beautiful and i'm engaged like i i am in and uh it's yeah I, it's, again i want to experience i like i like longer longer form storytelling yeah. and now well, that like now the companies are ready to spend the money. I mean, that's the big thing too. Back in the day, I don't think people would – maybe every once in a while you'd get like limited TV event. And they had like yeah. – remember the Odyssey on NBC and it was like four <laughs> yeah. weeks or episodes. And and like you know, at the time, I was like, this is the most incredible production ever. You go watch back – watch it now. It looks like, like community <laughs> theater. But like it's funny. Like but that was like a big thing. Now it's like they're like, no, no. We'll spend that money for like 10 episodes of multiple seasons of shows now. And it's like, oh, really? You're going to do that? Well, then – then give if, if you're gonna do that now, then give me that. You never yeah. gave me that before. <laughs> you yeah. know? So it's well, like, speaking of what they're yeah. gonna give us in terms oh. of long form TV adaptations of stuff, yeah, yeah, they're gonna me. do exactly that with Blade Runner 2099. A series has been greenlit over at Amazon Prime. Yes. And uh Brett, did you want to talk a little about that? How, yeah, so like, how um, does that strike you? Yeah, I, I like the I, I adore the original Blade Runner, the director's cut, of course. Um, and uh, I recently saw Blade Runner twenty forty nine, like I don't know, maybe earlier this year for the first yeah. time, and uh, I thought that movie was fucking awesome. It was it was, oh, like, it was really yeah. yeah, it was really really good. So what's cool what's cool about this story is that there that was Blade Runner twenty forty nine. So this series is gonna be Blade Runner twenty ninety nine, and yeah. supposedly this is gonna be the start of a new 
era for Blade Runner. The Ridley Scott is producing, and the writer of Blade Runner 2049, Michael Green, is also an executive producer. So if you yeah. enjoy 2049, the creative forces behind that are producing this and series. I'm pretty sure Michael Green wrote or co-wrote Logan, which is another one of my all-time favorites um, of the last several years. So Yeah, I don't, yeah it doesn't say it in this article, but you might know that. And then uh, yeah. also they have a writer um, from that worked on the series The Leftovers which was a really okay. cool show on HBO uh, that is also their executive producer. I, I did so it's got, numbers, yeah. yeah, it's quite a, a pedigree um, here. So yeah, this is going to be cool. It's going to like, I guess, further the story and like the world of Blade Runner. And I think that's, uh, that's awesome. If Amazon's willing to spend the money that they should spend on this Lord of the Rings series, I think you're going to have a beautiful, awesome, dreary, neo-noir like TV yeah. show. And I think that's a, a cool niche. That's just a very, again, awesome lived in world and just very, very vividly created and has great lore already. So there's yeah. such a backdrop to pull from I think that's awesome. So I, I am super excited uh, for that series. I, I cannot wait. I'm sure we won't see it for like at least a year and a half. So you remember they, they announced that Lord of the Rings series like four years ago. It took a while yeah, to finally get that one. So yeah, yeah I'm sure Blade Runner is going to um, take a while too. So, but that, that's, that's actually a, a really cool property to, to yeah. spin out to a series. And I think the big difference too, I mean, granted this does not apply to the Lord of the Rings series, but I feel like the recent spate of uh, TV shows based on old IPs, I think the reason that they're working and that they actually generate excitement instead of ugh, really is the fact that people like when you continue what happened, you know, yeah. as opposed to let's just forget it all and start from scratch. Like I think about what yeah. happened like with Ghostbusters, you know, where it's like, I don't even think it was necessarily that it was female Ghostbusters people didn't like. They just thought it was ridiculous that you acted like the events of the first films didn't happen. That You just yeah. completely went back to zero. I've always maintained that if they would have found a way to say that that existed in the world of the other movies, people yeah. might have given it a better shot. I feel like people are more prone to be like, okay, I want to revisit this beloved world and now have it expanded upon. Like that's what Cobra Kai is doing so well. Right. You know? Um, so like when it comes to all that, I just feel like, um, I feel like I lost my train of thought. Real I, feel bad. Like you're dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I made my damn point is the point. Yeah, You did make your point. But, though, uh, yeah. I did make my point. Uh, sequels good remakes bad give me more time in place i like okay all right yes. uh now based on your uh wallpaper there brett for those of you who are watching on the youtube i feel like our next topic has to take us over to the realm of hyrule that's right so what do you want to um, talk about brett all right so we had a uh surprise nintendo direct this week uh just uh, a couple of like three days ago as of when this uh episode goes up and uh you know there was a lot of little announcements but the one that obviously i care about the most and hopefully some of our listeners i think i believe some of our listeners do uh they finally revealed the title for the sequel to the legend of zelda breath of the wild so they have been calling this game the sequel to the legend of zelda breath of the wild for about like three or four years now maybe actually almost five years so we finally just got the uh, title and the title is uh, not one that i think anyone guessed or was expecting but yeah. uh, sticking with the of the formula it's going to be called yeah. the legend of zelda tears of the kingdom um, which I think is a very cool and intriguing title. I'm I'm into it. I like it. Yeah. And um, along with that reveal, 
we got a little another little trailer which showed a lot of like you know mystical uh, hieroglyphic uh, type things uh, on a wall that that I'm sure like all the YouTubers are already pouring over and analyzing and getting all their lore ready. But there's um, some really cool, interesting uh, things in there that uh, get me really excited for the sequel. Um, the other awesome thing is that they they did announce a release date. And we know how Zelda games are. They always get delayed. They always move release dates. Um, why I think this one is going to stick, I think they feel confident about this. If they didn't feel confident about this date, I don't think they would have announced it. Because so far, everyone's like, this game's been delayed twice already. I don't really consider it delayed when they just announce like a possible release window or just put like a year up. Because it's not like they announced like a date. They didn't. They just said yeah. 2022. And guess what? It's not coming now. So uh, you could say it's a delay, but it's not like they, they were like, you know, September 5th, yeah. 2022. They didn't do that. So this is, we got the date. I'm pretty sure they're, they're ready to drop this game. It, it looks, it looks beautiful. It looks done. It looks ready. Um, uh, also, uh, I should finish in the trailer. Um, we also got this really awesome shot of just Link opening these huge giant doors and then very similar to that first shot in the beginning of Breath of the Wild where you run out to the hill and oversee and he pushes these doors open and he's in this greasy golden sky island and he just runs and straight up dives off the edge and it's full skyward sword style straight down dive and then into like a sky dive and you can just dive through the air it looks there's all these huge islands in the sky they're doing some really cool stuff with the geography even though it's the same hyrule from the first game it looks like they are manipulating it and giving some really cool new gameplay possibilities we also see the shot of him what it looks like Revert, there's like a rock on the ground and it looks like he uses this like new skill he has to reverse time causing the rock to rise back up into the sky so i'm just like yeah. thinking of the gameplay possibilities of just like yeah. rewinding time and how that's going to affect the actual environment and like playing with time in that way yeah i mean then that's just like the only thing they've really shown so far you know there's going to be more stuff they haven't said shit about this game like they've been so tight-lipped yeah. um and uh yeah there's already like if you if you you know just fucking look it up there's a bunch of cool youtube videos already people like already made like i said analysis videos they have their lore explainers up and uh it, it's it's great like i love this is my favorite part of the zelda cycle is now like everyone just pouring over now trying to see if there's anything in this trailer that can connect to the new one <laughs> um and uh yeah it just i i cannot wait for this game it looks tremendous um i think this is going to be like an it's going to be one of the the first one's already like an all-time great my yeah. opinion, and I think a lot of people share this opinion, it might be one of the best video games ever made. And I think, I don't know how they're going to do it, but it's Nintendo. And I think this game is going to knock our fucking socks off. Like, I really am, I am over the moon hyped for this. So the release date, I should tell you, is May 12th, 2023. So, you know, not that much longer, but still a little bit of a long wait. But So that's the day there, that your job has to know. You will you will be sick then. I'll be day. taking that week off. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um I'll be like, I uh, need to take vacation. Um what yeah, intrigues um, me about the title is that compared to most of the other ones, it does it, it seems mo the most narrative focused title. Yeah. Because if you look at most of them, th a lot of them imply something about the central game mechanic or something like that. You know, like you know, Ocarina of Time is about the Ocarina, how you manipulate yeah. time. Majora's Mask is about the mask. Twilight Princess is the whole thing about that day-night mechanic, and you're a wolf at night, and Skyward Sword, you're in the sky, and whatever. You know, the the, yeah. the names a lot of time it has to do with like the way the game plays. Yeah. You know? And even Breath of the Wild, I felt like it was implying 
that you know this open world is the biggest yet and you're really out in the wild you know it's yeah most like we're not 100%. holding your hand you know what yeah. i mean like there that title even though it was about let's say the story but it was also letting the gamer know what it's about yeah. what the no, hell you know what it's funny that one really isn't about you yeah it's funny that one really isn't about the story that's literally more referencing just like Take a, yeah like you said take a breath yeah, of the yeah, wild yeah. like it, it's also like breathing new life into the series and like yeah. it was that was symbolic and this this definitely like you said 100 of the narrative kingdom focus. sounds yeah it's yeah. gonna be about the story otherwise, interestingly, otherwise you know, like, yeah, yeah i was like interestingly enough they have um in the previous trailers we have seen some new move or power that link has where he actually like goes into like a water droplet and rises up into the sky area. So, like, oh, there so are these tiers of some kind. And then okay. also on the hieroglyphs, you see like this weird figure and there are seven what look like little apostrophes, but kind of look like tears around them. So also All people right, are so speculating. It it's going to yeah. be. Yeah. Okay. And they said they didn't want to reveal it because yeah. the name of the game uh, has major spoilers for the story, supposedly. Oh. So that's why they waited so long. But, yeah. um, you know, one last note, the little seven tiers you see around, people are speculating, well, that was seven sages from the past and there's stuff like uh, that. And yeah, then yeah, also yeah, people yeah. are speculating might be the return of dungeons because we didn't really have, we had like four yeah. kind of bigger dungeons in Breath of the Wild yeah. and then the little shrines. Um, this one, yeah, people are thinking that there's going to be some like actual big ass dungeons in this. Plus with that open world gameplay and I'm sure there's going to be little puzzles and maybe little shrines everywhere or maybe the sky islands. And now you have a whole sky to explore and the whole ground and supposedly they're saying that there's stuff underground as well. So this game wow. is going to be layered. I mean it is going to be just something. It's going to be a treat. It's going to be a treat Very for exciting. us. We'll be eating good so next now, year. So we have an idea of what the future of Zelda looks like. And now we also have an idea about the future of Assassin's Creed, because there's been an yeah. update on where that uh, much beloved series is heading. And uh, why don't you clue us in on, on some of those uh, some of those directions we're heading there, Brett? Yeah. So basically there was a, U, uh, a Ubisoft forward event last week, which was like a little presentation for them. It was, it was honestly, it was pretty bad. If you watched it, it was like pretty <laughs> low energy, pretty bad, but the Assassin's Creed announcements at the end were cool. Unfortunately, as always happens with Ubisoft, like a week or two weeks ahead, like all that shit leaked. So like once that came out, it was like, okay, we kind of knew this already, but we got like little peaks and a little more insight into some stuff. So I'll, I'll kind of go through them quick and then uh, we'll have a little quick discussion. So uh, the first thing is something we knew that was coming. It's called Assassin's Creed Mirage. Uh, so this is um, going to be a smaller Assassin's Creed game, and it is going to kind of leave the new gameplay that we've seen in like Origins, Odyssey, and Valhalla behind. They're going to get rid of a lot of the RPG elements, all the loot, all the numbered items and stuff, bring it back to more of a stealth-focused game, uh, a la like, you know, the you know Black Flag, Assassin's Creed 2, Brotherhood, Assassin's Creed 3. And uh, like all, all the older, the old school ones, like if you want to call them old school, they're not even that old. Um, so that's like really exciting. It's going to uh, star uh, Basim, uh, who is a like a minor character in Valhalla. He's yeah. like one of the hidden ones that actually is settles there. It takes place yeah. like twenty or thirty years before that, so he's like in his prime, like a young assassin in Baghdad mm -hmm. during the eight hundreds. So going to be cool. That's I'm cool. excited to go back to that old school gameplay, but now with and that, you know, the, the modern flourishes and the way how smooth everything feels. Cause I yeah. recently just touched into um, yesterday. I touched into Assassin's Creed rogue, which came out like, uh, like last gen 
after Assassin's Creed 4. It was kind of like it takes place in between 3 and 4. And I went to play that and I was like, oh, this feels a little it's, – it's not even an old game, but it feels a little janky compared to the new ones. The new ones are yeah. just so smooth and everything. So I'm excited to get back to that because I was like thinking, I'm like, oh, I'm going to like this again. And I'm like, oh, it's kind of janky. But it wasn't at yeah. the time. This new one is going to be like not janky, but have like that old school gameplay. So I'm pretty pumped for that. Honestly, uh, that is music to my ears. Yeah. Because as someone who's going through Valhalla now after having played Black Flag, yeah. um, that's one thing about Valhalla that is 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 dropped for me. Like the 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 gameplay to me feels a lot more flat. I I miss the stealth. Mm-hmm. I miss the way the 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 assassinations would take place. I miss the the focus more on, you know, the combat and the killing. Uh, yeah. This RPG stuff with the everything leveling up and all the like, and the loot and all that. It just it it's it's not connecting for me as much yeah. as Black Flag did. And you know, I, I haven't even played some of the older ones in the series, but from what I've read, those sound more my speed. That's one thing yeah. with Valhalla that's been stopping me from being totally obsessed with it is that it is almost like too smooth, but also like the the combat stuff, like it doesn't feel as um, visceral or intense or as tactile as it did in earlier, you know, it, like as it yeah. did in Black Flag. It feels more just like the combat and everything else is much more sterile and uninteresting uh and less nuanced and yeah so if we're going to go back to to something where the combat and the kills are more the focus and not just building up your character uh yeah i'm in i'm very in so that's coming out sometime next year we have no release date uh the other thing that was announced so like we had a rumor a while ago for like this new game or something called assassin's creed infinity and what it turns out what it was and i I think we might have talked about this a while ago and i kind of suspected this it's not a new game assassin's creed infinity but it's going to be kind of like a new hub so you'll have assassin's creed infinity downloaded on your console and then as they release like new games or like new you know areas it's almost going to act like your own animus like on your on Mm. your thing so you'll launch assassin's creed infinity and it's like okay from there i can jump into assassin's creed mirage or i can jump into uh these two new announced games so um continue Continuing off of Valhalla and I guess presumably following forward more and advancing this like RPG action game that it's become versus the action adventure game stealth game that it was. Uh, we are going to be getting finally a much requested uh, area. We're getting Assassin's Creed uh, Red is what it's called right now. It's going to take place in feudal Japan and your main character is going to be basically like a shinobi. They said like live your shinobi fantasy. So you're going to be like a ninja <laughs> during feudal Japan. So that sounds yeah. absolutely awesome, and I'm all in. Get me, uh, I'm on board. You know, just but I'm see, I would like that more with like the stealth. Yeah, more like the and old hopefully they approach. will with that. Yeah. Maybe it will, but I, I don't want. I wonder if they're going to still keep going with this loot thing. But hopefully, feudal Japan is a ninja. There better be a lot of stealth. You know what I mean? Or cool yeah. gadgets. Um, is yeah. uh, you know to like kind of advance the combat. Then they announced another Assassin's Creed game, and they said this one is going to be. Uh, a very different type of Assassin's Creed game. So like, we don't know what that means yet, but it's called Assassin's Creed uh, code. Na- I guess it was code code name. Red was the other one. This is called code name Hexe. And what it actually is, is it's going to take place. Um, there were like, basically like, you know, witch trials during the end of like the Roman empire. So even before we had the Salem witch trials, so it's going to take place in that period. And they showed like a cool little CG trailer and there were like weird Blair, Witch looking, things that look like an assassin's creed symbol and uh, supposedly it's going to be like a horror leaning assassin's creed game so 
um, kind of a big message from Ubisoft in general was that they want to stop kind of making games by committee, co committee, uh, committee that are going to be just like, you know, this kind of catch all like, well, we have to please as many people as possible with this game. So it has to have this type of element and this and this, because I think that has hurt the series over these last couple origin odyssey and Valhalla. Yeah. They're, 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 they're too much. They're way too big. Like I put a hundred hours into odyssey and I still had like huge swaths of the map that I hadn't even gone to yet. And I was like, I'm done. I can't, there's too many it's icons too much. and Valhalla. I kind of fell off of too. I'm actually probably pretty close to the end story-wise, but I was just like, I put like, I don't know, 80 something hours into it already. And I was like, Oh wow. my God, like no end in sight. And it's yeah. also the way I play. I I'm a psycho and I have to do like every side quest and then I prolong <laughs> everything. So it's my own fault. Um, I could just go yeah. in and like, I might hop back in there and just like beeline it and just do story, story, yeah. story and just get through it. But anyway, um, yeah, uh, th what they want to do, uh, Ubisoft is basically, uh, make games that like are, are more like narrowly focused and for specific groups of people. So like, you know what, we're gonna, we're not going to worry about making this Assassin's Creed accepted by the people who like the new style and the old style. Like maybe, maybe the Japanese one, the one in Japan, they're going to say, no, we're making this for the stealth fans. Is this for the yeah. ones who want stealth Assassin's Creed? We're going to make this game like that. Now we're going to make this horror Assassin's Creed over here. Not everyone's going to like it, but we're going to have a bunch of horror fans that are into it. And then like, see, this worries I think me though. Cause yeah, this feels to me like what happened with Resident Evil there. We're like, it started off one way and it was survival, yeah, survival went very action. one, two, three, yeah. four, you know, but then they started like, here's a, here's like an on rail shooter and here's a right. multiplayer based shooter. And yeah. here's like, you know, they, they, they suddenly veered off into these different genres. And then yeah. even the core main series became more of like a Gears of War retread yeah, instead sure. of survival horror. So it's a, it's a, it seems to me like Assassin's Creed is heading down that path, that yeah. path also where like well they've kind of like done that confused yeah. about its identity now you know yeah they're an action RPG they used to be an action adventure stealth game now they're an action RPG and then you know but I, I think you know that. yeah so like, I get they're adding probably new doing that play. but yeah. yeah but like I get adding new gameplay and trying to push new story fronts and all that sort of stuff you know invigorating the franchise but like changing genres mid franchise you know, mid series yeah. to me is like especially yeah. if it's working it's one thing of like yeah. oh well the these ones done in this style are flopping yeah. but there's interest in the concept yeah. so well, let's tweak the gameplay it was like no you, yeah you, you, you had it figured out man no, I think people love the old style of game, but sales wise, they were starting to sell less. And I, and mm. at the time, cause this is fandom, people were bitching like, oh, it's the same game over and over again. It's coming out every year and it's the same game. So they changed something different and some people got mad, but a lot of people were like, oh, it's kind of cool. But now we've had like three games in that and they've been like massive, massive. The games are, they're too fucking big. Let's just say it. They're yeah. too fucking big. And I think now people are like sick of that too and want to go back to the old style. So it's like, but, you know, I think what they've been trying to do is please everybody with these games. And that's why they've gotten so out of hand because it's like, well, we have all this kind of stuff for those people. And I think maybe it will be good to do a more narrow focus. And maybe everyone won't appeal to everybody, but like they'll be able to there'll be a game for each subset of the fandom. And maybe that's the way to go. Um, I don't know. I, I like yeah. smaller, tighter focus games. So I'm very excited for Mirage. That's going to be just like yes, a, that, of a small city, said, very dense. Yeah. 15, yeah. 20 hours, not going to suck away my whole life. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. it's going to just 
you know, get to the point. That's the one that has me the most intrigued. And then the one about feudal Japan as a shinobi. Okay. But well, it's ancient Japan, of course. I'm I'm into it. It's awesome. (laughs) But Mirage is for me where it's at. Um, Yeah, for sure. But uh, you know where, where it's not at for Disney. Where it's not at for Disney is that Patty Jenkins Rogue Squadron movie. Because did you hear yeah. about this? It was announced on uh, Thursday that it has been pulled from the lineup. Quietly. and <laughs> quietly, quietly just, whoop, we're just going to yes. yank that one away. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> yep. So uh, it was announced, what, maybe two years ago that Patty Jenkins had been yeah. hired to do it. And then something happened. Uh, WW84 happened and nobody really liked it. And uh, suddenly we it. heard that I'm there the was one. creative I'm the one differences. <laughs> no, uh, like listen, it. when it cut, uh, hang on, but just to, just to kind of like the, the foreshadowing to what happened on Thursday was last year when we heard that there was going to, that there were some creative clashes going on. And that the film had been sort of delayed and was kind of back up in the air. So when that happened, and then now leading to today, it getting pulled from the schedule, I think it more or less means that this Rogue Squadron movie isn't happening. The writing was on the wall. (laughs) When they deleted it, I was like, okay, it's not going to be it. I don't mean to disparage WW84, but unfortunately, Hollywood is a very what-have-you-done-for-me-lately kind of town. And even though Patty Jenkins had Monster and Patty Jenkins had Wonder Woman, so clearly she's shown that she is a very, very capable director. Uh, I think Wonder Woman 84, the fact that, like, you know, it it got a 58% on Rotten Tomatoes. The fan base was kind of vocally sort of split on it online. And unfortunately, we'll never really know what kind of box office it might have had because it was released on COVID Christmas at the end of 2020. So it's one of those things where like maybe if Wonder Woman 84 had come out and been as loved as Wonder Woman and had overperformed at the box office the way that film had, maybe Patty might not have had any, you know, hit any creative walls at Lucasfilm. But maybe with that, you know, with 84 kind of being a bit of a, yeah. It might have given Lucasfilm a little more pause on accepting her ideas and just trusting that she knows exactly what she's doing. And that's the thing. It might have been great. It might have been great. But in this town that, you know, has a very short attention span. And on top of that, I mean, Lucasfilm in general, if we go back to when Lucasfilm was sold to Disney, the amount of plans that have been announced and changed since 2014, it's staggering. You know what I mean? They're, like, they're, they're, yeah. From Josh Trank's, you know, uh, bounty hunter movie that was announced and then didn't happen, to uh, Lord and Miller be doing the Han Solo movie but getting fired quietly along yeah. the way, to like you know Colin, Colin Trevorrow, yeah, yeah Colin uh, Trevorrow being hired yeah. for Episode Nine and then that disappearing, and you know, yeah. like it, Kathleen Kennedy has shown that like she doesn't care if it's been announced. If it no doesn't to come together in a way <laughs> that she's feeling, bye-bye. You know, I don't care what you've yeah. done. You're out of here. So, um, but yeah, so this is just the latest thing under the new, it's funny, that even it's, at this point, it's been seven years. Oh, no, yeah. actually eight years. 
but under the new Luke Lucasfilm, it has uh, th this isn't new that something gets announced with an exciting director and an interesting concept, and then it completely just goes the way. Yeah, it wasn't even just like announced though; like it was a tweet. Like they had like a little video introduction. She talked about yeah. it, like how she has a connection to the Air Force. With yeah, her yeah, that's right. Her and I was like, was and then pilot. it was like. Not long after they're like creative differences, I was like, "Come on, like let them fucking make." They're a little like maniacal with the control and I stuff. Know. And listen, I don't think, like, I mean, I I think we talked about this like briefly before the podcast. I'm not going to go into like a big whole thing on it, but you know, uh, a, a summary. Um, and I think maybe the full script, but like I read like basically a summary of Colin Trevorrow's episode nine script. Um, so that it's out there what the story was going to be. And listen, everything's an opinion. Um, you know, I, I, I like The Last Jedi. I was not – I actually like The Last Jedi more than I liked Rise of Skywalker. I didn't think it was the great end for the series, unfortunately. Uh, as much as, like, I still had fun and enjoyed all three of those movies, but it didn't, like, hit the highs that I wanted it to. Yeah. If you read the summary for Colin Trevorrow's Episode Nine script, it really picked off and continued the stuff laid down by Ryan Johnson in Episode Eight. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, was like a much better story and much more fitting ending. Would it have satisfied every Star Wars fan? I don't know, but it still would have been. It would have made that trilogy, I think, not look down upon so much. Um, and I think that's a shame. Have, yeah, you know, kept the trilogy like yeah, higher ranking, and definitely would have been an improved, uh, you know, ending like bookend to that. Yeah, um, it's it's a, it's a and real a shame. shame. Yeah, I don't know all the specifics, but I almost feel like it it. I would take whatever that would have been over what we got. And I yeah. didn't hate the rise of Skywalker. You know, I had, there's yeah, I didn't hate it, but it just wasn't the hell out of it. Yeah. But at the same time, as I reflect back on it as a star Wars fan, and even as I saw it, I think for like the third or fourth time, you know, it, it was not the best finale to this no. Skywalker saga. It was not the fitting perfect conclusion to the story that began in 1977. It yeah. was, it was a, a it was just a movie. It was just their right. attempt to try to tie up loose ends and, you know, appeal to nostalgia and send you home happy as opposed to making any kind of bold choices and putting these characters in situations that we didn't see coming and ending with some kind of shock. Uh, yeah, it just rise of Skywalker did leave something to be desired. And yeah. maybe can I tell you that trip, though. a couple of, a couple of cool things. I'll go like just sure. a couple of cool bullet points. So, I mean, if you guys don't want to know what it was, the episode nine from Geraro, then I guess don't listen right now. But <laughs> basically, I'll give you a couple of things. First of all, Palpatine did not come back. They didn't Thank shoehorn God. that crap in, which kind of, you know, weakened. I'm, that already it, sells it for me. <laughs> weakens the, you know, and the importance of Vader's sacrifice in the original trilogy. Yeah. Um, then also, Kylo Ren does not get a redemption arc. He's mm. bad through and through and he stays bad, which is what they should have did instead of just trying to make him another, like, you know, Vader another character. Sith. They got another you know, another Sith who was like, life. "Oh no, I shouldn't have did that. I'm better now." Um, <laughs> and uh, so that's other big big thing. But the last thing was that the final battle was like a showdown, like a badass showdown with Rey and Kylo, and then she ends up getting a help from like Force Luke, Force Obi Wan, and like Force like Yoda or something like that. Like all of them come back, and she gets like help from them or something. And I was yeah. like, that would have been the fucking most coolest epic thing yeah. ever. And that's what people probably wanted. And then Disney was like, no, no, we're just going to have J.J. Abrams rewrite this whole thing in too short amount of time. 
And then we're going to just happen, though. throw I, everything what, away. What yeah. happened was The Last Jedi was it took risks. It was bolder, but it didn't end up doing the business of The Force Awakens. And the discourse online was much more divisive. So yeah. they were like, they panicked and they were like, well, we can't do another thing that's like The Last Jedi. We got to send them home happy. We got to give them a crowd pleaser. So let's just play the hits, you know, and they got Abrams to put together a nice nostalgic patchwork to end on a nice, happy note. But yeah. I, I swear it's because of The Last Jedi. They got freaked out. Yeah. I think like they, they let Ryan Johnson try some new stuff. And for the people who loved it, it worked. Uh, but I don't I, I think the, the reaction to that film is why ultimately we got an episode nine that played it so safe and so square, you know? Yeah. Um, it's a shame because like, if, if Trevorrow's episode yeah. nine went up, I think people who did not like The Last Jedi may have actually been able to kind of look back on that. And then looking at the whole, it might have like retroactively lifted it up for them. I feel like in my opinion. Yeah. But, you know, yep. hey, what are you, you going to do? What could have been, you know? Yep. Now to wrap up episode 163, I want to bring it back to our boy Superman because Superman and Lois, uh, some news has come to light and I think we got to unpack it a little bit, especially because a couple of months ago uh, when we were discussing the finale for season yes. two, uh, you, you brought up the tease about Intergang that had come up and now with this casting that's been revealed. Uh, I think now is a good enough time to kind of start, you know, sure. diving into that a little bit. So they cast the actor who played Tyrese in The Walking Dead. His name, so I can do this right, is Chad L. Coleman. Chad L. Yes. Coleman will be joining the cast of Superman and Lois as Bruno Mannheim, the head of Intergang. Now uh let's talk this through a little bit just a little like history with like with intergang and even yeah. like bruno Mannheim. he actually first made his uh first appearance in the jimmy olsen line of comics in the superman's pal jimmy olsen and he was hired by uh he was the son of moxie Mannheim, the leader of the intergang and he was sent to kill jimmy now i don't think it's going to go that way because superman and lois doesn't really have a jimmy right now yeah uh but and I don't think that they're going necessarily with him being the son of Moxie, but we're, we're going to see how this goes. Sure. But the point is, while that's his original introduction, uh, Bruno Mannheim and Intergang, they are one of the two main crime syndicates in Metropolis that have managed to flourish even under Superman's watchful eye. There's two main ones. There's the 100 and then there's Intergang. And in one of the main continuities, which may be where they're going with this now, uh, Intergang eventually kind of has some interesting technology, weapons and things far beyond what regular criminals have. And what you eventually discover is that they're, they have weapons from Apocalypse, that they're actually uh -huh. being used as the first wave of an eventual invasion by Darkseid and, and the new gods. So that's what makes things interesting here where, okay, we're bringing in Bruno Mannheim and Intergang, but are we using the Intergang as a conduit to Darkseid? No. It's going to be interesting to see if that's where they're going with this. You know, Superman and Lois, 
so far has been pretty bold in some of their creative choices and where they're going with things to now suddenly go for a an elite level villain like dark yeah that's gonna have to be uh, pretty serious if you're gonna that's serious and they're going big they're going big and especially if we're at a time where like the fact that Zack snyder's justice league uh, is what stopped Ava DuVernay from making a new Gods movie. But now the team at Superman and Lois is like, yeah, but we feel totally fine treading on yeah. that territory. And they, they may have gotten the green light to tread on that territory. Yeah. So it's interesting with, with Superman and Lois, with the budget that it's had, with the creative writing that it's had, with the way that it's been presented thus far, Seeing them tell a story of the intergang and possibly getting us into dark side and the new gods and all that. I'm very, very interested. A party wonders if that's like seasons three and four there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it could three, be the like intergang is season three and then that sets yeah. up for big bad season four. Yeah. Dark side. Yeah. Yeah. Could you know? be really cool. And then yeah. one of the other interesting things about this casting and about where they seem to be going with this is that when it comes to Lois, Okay, um, let me just read this to you because Lois, okay, for years, Lois has worked to prove that behind the facade of him being like this good person, that he's actually the head of a criminal organization, that he's not what he appears. It's very kind of like Morgan edgy, but yeah. it seems like I want to make sure I say this right. Bruno Manham is known to most of Metropolis as a local hero, a philanthropist. Uh, this season, we'll see Lois take on Mannheim in her capacity. So I'm just wondering, is he going to come to Smallville? Or are we actually going to have like a dual storyline where Lois is in Metropolis dealing with Mannheim stuff while Superman is dealing with something different? You know what I mean? I was like, just going to ask you, I'm like, do you think we'll actually maybe like get into back into Metropolis like this season and spend some time there and... I mean, that's what I'm wondering, that, because is that budget going to have to blow up a lot more? <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. It's going to be freaking Vancouver. It's going to be some other generic, oh, yeah. you know, city. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but but you know, like, got the best yeah. tax credits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, but yeah, it could be an interesting way to go, because like I don't see intergang setting its sights on a little town like smallville i don't see it to me it almost seemed kind of hokey right like what are you gonna rob there like the diner that has ten dollars in the drawer (laughs) exactly so that's why i'm like i have a feeling this implies that lois is gonna have a storyline that has her in metropolis for a while and superman's gonna have his own arc and it might be interesting too where like he's investigating stuff having to do with apocalypse and meanwhile, Intergang is doing this stuff with their fan- with their advanced weaponry. And then eventually the two threads cross as he realizes that Bruno Mannheim has some link to Darkseid, that he's had he's made contact right. with the new gods. You know, whatever. I don't know which way they're going to go with it, but it's very intriguing. It's very exciting. If they're going to go the Darkseid route on Superman and Lois, I'm very, very interested in that. Yeah, because I this team has won me over, and where they, you know, what they can do with this IP and with these characters and with this mythology. It's also interesting too that Morgan Edge has been depicted in the past as a leader of Intergang, and you know that's his brother. So I just wonder if they're going to find any other way to have Valzad. What's his name? No, no, he's not Valzad. What am I saying? Uh, Uh, Talro. Talro. 
if they're going to have Tal Rose somehow involved with this. I, I don't know. Either way, it just because Morgan Edge's name comes up a lot in relation to intergame. Yeah. So I just wonder if that's going to be any, if there's going to be any relation there also, you know? Yeah. I'm curious. But, like, um, I wonder if they will, like, like you said, they, they get like a little fast and loose. They play around with like the characters. Like, yeah. I could totally see them doing the intergang thing, making us think dark side, but then it leads into like Brainiac. Maybe they have some rogue yeah. AI they picked up and then like they kind of switch it on us that way and yeah. find out that they've been or, getting directives from a computer or an AI and then it's really yeah. Brainiac and he comes in and they like, oh, we got you. You thought it was dark side because like, I don't know, like he's like the ultimate, right? So, I mean, like once you go there, it's like, where do you go for the season after? Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, but also Brainiac's up there too. I mean, uh, he's like, everyone wants fucking Brainiac and they did him on uh, the, remember the, remember the show they had with the, it was like Superman's great grandfather. Yeah, yeah, called? on Krypton. Krypton. Yeah, they Krypton, did, it was they, Krypton, they, yeah. They did Brainiac there. They did yeah. do Brainiac yeah. on there, and he was, like, kind of cool. But Well, speaking you know. of twists, though, so you got me thinking, right? Because, like, we met yeah. – when we met Irons, he was called Captain Luthor by the suit, and we thought yeah. he was a black Lex Luthor, and then we ended up finding out that he's Steel, right? Yeah. And same thing with Morgan Edge, where he's introduced as one thing, but then we find out that he's actually Superman's brother, Tal Rowe, Right. Like, like they're used to like introducing you the character one way, and then you find out it's actually a reinterpreted yeah. form of something else. Yeah, they, the, the, the girl if, this season, and then they were like, "Oh, actually, she's the 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 parasite woman." Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, so it'd be interesting yeah. if this Bruno uh, Mannheim. What a name, Bruno Mannheim. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but it'd be interesting if if Bruno Mannheim is isn't really what he appears to be. If he, what if he is yeah. one of the new gods in disguise? What if he's Dark Side? Because that right. actor has that deep voice, and he could look like Darkseid if you. Yeah, see they could try to do something bit. like that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Totally. So, like, I wouldn't put it past them if all of a sudden we find out, like, you know, I'm not working with him. I am him, and the eyes yeah. glow, and he's freaking Darkseid. You know, so uh, I'm very, you know, I, I want to see where they go with this. Yeah, I love the show. Uh, we love the show. It's like, yeah, yeah, give it's, it to me. You haven't let me down yet. Now. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But um, I think that about does it, unless uh, you had anything else that you wanted to hit up before we wrap this thing. I have one very brief thing. It's a new segment it. that I don't know if it's going to happen every week, but we're going to do it. And it's called Brett Has Notes. All right. And I'm just going to pick out a thing that I have some notes on. And this week's thing is just that that intro, the Marvel Studios intro. It's too fucking long. It is too <laughs> fucking long. Like every movie, it's like it's an, it feels like an hour. I know it's probably like 30 seconds. It feels like a fucking hour. And especially like week to week on She-Hulk, which is like a half a show. Oh, yeah. Uh, like a half hour show. I'm like, this is half the show. Is I'm like, all right. Like they're they're kind of like so far up their own ass a little bit. Like, I'm like, okay, Marvel, like, you're good. You did good. You got the studio. You're doing great. Like, but you, the fan, like a fucking, the fanfare for that long is way too much. And you know what I mean? Like, as an example of one that I do like though, and I'm sure like, I never actually timed them out. So someone's going to be like, Brett, they're the same length. And maybe I'm an asshole, but the Star Wars (laughs) one where it goes, and it has like the the lights flashing over the masks. No, that's fucking awesome. It is fast and it's it's fucking awesome. And it gives me the feels every time. And I love it. And uh, Marvel needs to take a cue from that same company. Just guys figure it out, figure it out. All right. So that's this week. Brett has notes. 
and we'll be back all right something else to give notes about maybe next week or maybe another time but it's something that we're gonna do recurring yeah i'm gonna try to do it every yes. week all right well, hope, hope you all enjoyed right. that sounds good And uh, if you have anything that you want us to talk about, that you want us to have notes about, uh, email them to thefanboypodcast at gmail.com. Follow us over on the Twitter at thefanboyshow. You could find me and Brett on the Twitter as Superman on Film and SuperBrettCon, respectively. If you have not yet, please like, rate, and review the podcast on your podcatcher of choice. Leave us reviews. We will read them on the air, and we will appreciate them oh so much. Yes, we will. Um, So, everyone, until next time, be kind. And stay fanboy. Adios.